Welcome to Creative in Tech. Powered by Reed Speaker. Technology is constantly evolving, and the companies that adapt win. In this podcast, you'll hear from companies and thought leaders across various verticals who blend the art and science in one of the biggest growing spaces in technology, conversational AI. You'll hear how they're creating the touchtone experiences that will define the next generation of customer strategy. Join me, Carrie Roberts, your host for this podcast and the brand evangelist for North America at readspeaker.ai as we explore the intersection of creative and tech. Welcome to Creative and Tech, a podcast show powered by ReadSpeaker.ai. I'm your host, Carrie Roberts, and I'm the brand evangelist for North America at ReadSpeaker. And this show is all about highlighting the various brands, organizations, and people that are creatively using one of the fastest growing spaces in technology, artificial intelligence, including things like conversational AI, voice technology, and more. Today, we are talking about the real estate vertical and how AI is playing a role in that. And joining me today from Hiro is the VP of Marketing, Aaron Bors. He is calling in from Israel, so there is a slight delay, but we are so excited to have him here. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. So I want to start off with you personally. Um, you know, you and I have met before, but you have a pretty interesting background. You went to school for business, studied marketing, worked in marketing, but then you would, worked with Google doing product development and then came back to marketing working with Hiro. I'm curious what it is about the conversational AI space as well as marketing and just this AI space in general that gets you excited. Sure. I think... Uh... I think, and, and this is kind of a plug for Hiro, but there's uh, there's such a vast array of use cases, and there's such, um, I think, a, a long runway for this type of technology uh, to integrate with different platforms, uh, to go to different verticals. I think that's what makes it a really interesting product. It's not as niche as people often think it is, um, and that makes it fun to market. It makes it fun to build a brand around, and ultimately fun to continue to develop that technology and. Uh, and be a part of of what is, you know, the conversational revolution. Yes, and I know Hiro has done so much in the healthcare and government space, especially during the pandemic. But recently, your company transitioned into adding real estate as a vertical. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about what you noticed in the last couple of years was happening with real estate, what you were kind of seeing happen during the pandemic, and why you got into that vertical. Absolutely. So I think there are a lot of similarities across the board about uh, verticals where people have to be there versus want to be there. Um, what I mean by that is there's a difference between uh, digital traffic that's looking at Nike.com versus digital traffic that's going to IRS, you know, to request a, um, their economic stimulus payment, or going to a healthcare website to look for risk assessment for COVID-19, or uh, looking for apartments because shelter is one of the many necessities of, of life, right? And so uh, in real estate, there's you, there are use cases that, that people need. People have to uh, go through them in order to complete this renter journey. And the, pandem- the pandemic kind of just shattered what was this standard for uh, the renter journey or the buyer journey in real estate which was to, you know, to call up a real estate agent or to you know, walk by one of those uh, uh, real estate stores that you usually have in, uh, or real estate firms you usually have in mom and pop uh, you know, shops in these small towns, um, flip through maybe a catalog and, and see houses or see apartments that, that stand out. 
um, and then call up and kind of make that appointment, meet the realtor. So, so that was like your typical, um, your typical journey in real estate to find an apartment or to uh, buy a house or something like that uh, it would be always rooted in, in the physical nature of it, to see it, to feel it, etc. And I think the pandemic forced people to now uh, look at digital transformation for real estate, which seemed, you know, originally something that you you wouldn't want to do. Um, you know, also as agents and also as uh, uh, clients in real estate, you would want to go and physically see the property that you're interested in, um, and also create those connections. Real estate agents are notorious for creating, you know, very personalized connections with people, especially in the United States. Um, so the pandemic forced everyone online, and people still needed houses. People still needed, still needed apartments. Those are necessities. People had to be there, and so I think that's where conversational AI and process automation in general really came into play. Um, and it forced to the surface all these new digital front door solutions for real estate, just like you had in healthcare. Um, so you have people now coming online that weren't there before. You have people calling call centers at a higher clip than you had before. And now you needed solutions to kind of field all of that traffic and create this kind of seamless digital renter journey, which you didn't need before. So these types of technologies really uh, started to come to fruition. And that's Virtual tours. You have a bunch of startups and a bunch of players that immediately jumped on, um, you know, crafting really strong um, uh, AR virtual tours and just 3D virtual tours and video in general. Um, you know, placing the renter at the at the home without actually have to physically be there. Uh, you had online scheduling tools, which you know, again, that's that's where Hyro comes in, uh, booking those appointments for uh, realtors who were overwhelmed by the digital traffic. Uh, that they were experiencing because of the pandemic. Um, so you, a, a lot of different tools, especially, came about uh, actually because of COVID-19 and, and forced us into what I think is a digital revolution for real estate that we're not going to retreat from. Yeah, I agree. I know here in the United States, I live in New Jersey. We saw so many people move from New York to New Jersey. I mean, people were getting more than asking price and people couldn't keep up. And so it makes sense. Like you said, okay, there's a way that we could help here. And I think it's always challenging for businesses that kind of try to go into a vertical they haven't been before. Um, but you all have done it pretty successfully, You know, making it one of your top three things that you do. When you kind of went to them, can you share with us a little bit about you know the companies that you worked with in terms of how you approached them um, and how you used conversational AI to help them and what their results were? Absolutely. So we work with quite a few uh, multifamily property management uh, firms. So most of the real estate companies that we deal with are actually... Uh, they have a ton of apartment complexes. Uh, each one is different. Each one has a ton of different properties within them. There are a bunch of attributes, relationships connected uh, to uh, uh, those different complexes. And uh, because of that, there's a lot of questions around it. Uh, you know, how many, can I bring my pets? Uh, how many square feet? Um, you know, is there a pool in the complex? How far is this from from the schools? There's a ton of questions surrounding these properties, and and they're being uploaded at a clip where it's not always maintained well. So um, in order for these real estate agents to really connect with all these renters and provide all that information while also simultaneously trying to make this a smooth process from inquiry to booking that tour, which eventually, hopefully, they'll close the, the lease, right? That's the whole goal is to win more leases. Uh, in order to do that at scale, conversational AI became a critical tool. Um, so one of the clients we work with, for instance, 
is Carol. Carol is a massive property management uh, company in the US. Um, they do phenomenal work. We worked with uh, Noah Eccles. He's the VP marketing at Carol and our champion there. Uh, and his whole philosophy is, is that this is going to disrupt uh, real estate. And they want to be a part of that revolution. You know, they're, more, they're very excited about the idea of case study and, and those types of things because they want Hiro to work for them so that they can kind of go to other property management uh, companies and, and say, look at this great problem we solved, you know, which is all this digital traffic, all these leads that are left on the table because there's no one to field them. Um, and a lot of these real estate companies don't want to necessarily increase headcount. And so the best thing to do is to have this automated lead generation system. So the way that we work, Hiro, the way that we kind of um, work in every vertical actually is to do this idea of land and expand. So we start with a use case that has a true pain point that can be measured by real ROI. Uh, and then we'll add on top of that other use cases. So uh, the one we went after was very easy, which is, okay, we're going to book more tours for Carol. The use case is scheduling. Um, and so we went at their lead generation uh, capabilities. They were already doing a fantastic job, but what we just did was layer on this, you know, adaptive communications platform. That's what we call it, um, which is just a very fancy way of saying, you know, uh, flexible conversations through AI. Um, and so we layered on voice AI to their call center and did that twenty four seven. And actually, month over month, it's about eighty thousand minutes a month that are now covered by Hiro, and we're about forty percent of all leads generated for Carol. So that's a big deal because, first of all, they get to keep the agents that they have now, which, and not to go on a tangent, but Carrie, we've talked about this before, where one of the biggest fears of conversational AI is, oh no, they're going to fire everybody on the customer support team, or oh no, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs. That's not what's, ha what's happening at all. The issue is that you have this increase in volume of traffic, agents are overwhelmed, agents are overworked, agents are unhappy, so actually turnover can increase. It's not even that Carol themselves would want to you know, uh, necessarily get, get rid of agents. The turnover can increase because of those factors. And not only that, but those agents are now stuck answering tons of frontline inquiries for, uh, for renters or for buyers that could easily be offloaded to AI and should be offloaded to AI so that they can focus on more complex inquiries. And so that's where Hyro really comes in and it's a dual prong solution. So now those agents are happier. They're answering more complex uh, uh, inquiries and can close, focus on closing deals. And the AI system is taking on 40% of the lead generation for Carol, booking 40% booking of their tours, uh, so that, again, those, those agents are made to, uh, to actually thrive in, in what's higher level in their, uh, in their space. Um, so that's what we did for Carol. We layered on that voice AI to their call center. Um, and the conversations usually go something like, hey, I'm, inter I'm interested in property X. Um, I was wondering, you know, how many bedrooms is this? What's the price? Can I bring pets? When's the move-in date? Uh, you know, uh, the things of that nature. And through natural language, which is the core engine of Hyro is built on natural language, we're able to understand all those different questions, the different attributes, the relationships between those attributes, um, context elasticity. So we're able to also pivot in the conversation. If towards the end of the call, you said, you, you know, you decide... Oh wait, that that price was too high. You can go backwards, um, and and start kind of uh, you know start filtering through again and and change a few of the attributes before the tour is is booked. Um, so all of that now is through Hiro, and uh, what we're able to do is automate end to end tour booking. Um, 
Another really cool thing we did with Carol is that it forced us to um, look at integrations with CRMs. And we were already doing that for bigger players like Salesforce. Uh, in healthcare, we are able to integrate through Epic App Orchard with, uh, with the number one uh, electronic uh, medical record system in the US. And for real estate now, we're, we, we had to uh, come up with... Um, it, it didn't take very long, but we were able to integrate with Knox CRM who is this up-and-coming player in real estate as like an, an amazing niche uh, customer relationship management platform for leads, like renters, buyers, etc. in real estate. And so once we integrated with Knock, it became that much more seamless that uh, agents who were already using this CRM and were already used to that platform didn't need to use Hyro's dashboard actually at all, even though we have a nice dashboard. But they were able to use Knock to get all of those leads to review those leads and and you know kind of like take the information, put it in their pocket, walk over with the keys in their hand, and show the apartment. And so we made it a very simple process. Um, and those tours can also be booked virtually. So like knowing that that now a lot of virtual uh, tours are are actually online. Again, I, I mentioned before that was that was the biggest technology that blew up in my opinion because of COVID was uh, was virtual tours, similar to you know. Zoom and, and other virtual uh, aspects now of communication and uh, and transactions. Um, so we, we we also book uh, those tours whether it's physical or virtual. And so agents are happy. You know they're just kind of they're like collecting the leads list and, and going about their business and closing uh, more leases. So uh, for us, Carol is just a, an incredible example uh, of what we can do in, in real estate, um, specifically for multifamily property management. Um, and you know, not to drone on, but just that's that's the client side. But the end user experience is also better because now these renters and these buyers. Um, I think it was. Let me think. Which was the? Okay, the real estate trainer. That was it. So they say that seventy-eight um, percent of prospective home buyers stick with the realtor who answers their inquiry first. So. That's really that's a big number, right? Seventy eight percent are going to go with the realtor who answers first. That means that if you're a multifamily property management company and you're not answering your prospective buyers or your prospective renters first, you have a twenty two percent chance of coming out on top versus the others that are going to have that first, you know, digital front door solution in place, and then they're going to feel the the questions get the person to that tour. You know that's booked, and and then close the lease, and and you're kind of left out in the cold. So, um, super important for the renter experience as well. Obviously, it translates to wins. It also you know makes their um, just overall satisfaction you know higher. So, um, I think conversational AI in real estate is definitely here to stay, and there's a clear use case for it in lead generation specifically. But but the sky's the limit. Well, I, that was a lot of information. I'm so excited you shared um, because I think you're right. You know, people always think about it replacing them, but it really does act as an assistant um, in a sense in all the ways that you mentioned. Now, when you were kind of working with this client and looking at the use case, did you start with one, kind of master that, kind of get their team on board with it and then say, okay, now we're going to do the next one? Like, What was some of that process so that they didn't get overwhelmed, but that it would work for them in the best way possible. Yeah, absolutely. So that's part of the the land and expand strategy. Is we're going to start with you know what is the biggest pain point for the company, or what is part of I guess you know the highest priority in their roadmap. Uh, let's 
you know, let's see if conversational AI fits there. And if it is a seamless fit and we are in sync about it, then obviously that's the use case that we'll, we'll kind of uh, hone in on first. Um, and yeah, lead generation did make the most sense. They already had a CRM in place that they were happy with. We knew we could integrate with it. Uh, so that's definitely how we started. Um, I guess you can call them sub-use cases within that. We had to scrape, of course, all the properties um, that they have. And that, that's how, by the way, Hire works. Um, so we're not a typical conversational AI company that's a platform where you build. Uh, we do everything on our end. And we scrape all the data from uh, whatever data sources you're trying to you know, uh, make uh, queryable by conversational AI or natural language. So we'll scrape those data sources and then whatever it is that we're trying to accomplish as a use case, make them actionable in that way. Um, so for Carol, for instance, we had to scrape all their properties and, and ingest that into our knowledge graph so that we can understand all the relationships between the different attributes, you know, number of bedrooms, location, uh, price, all those things. Um, and then uh, turn that into a tour booking machine, um, basically on their call center. So uh, that was kind of a sub-use case, is finding the properties themselves in order so that you can book the tour. Um, uh, but overall, the yeah, the, the next use case to come is going to be FAQs. So that's going to be uh, frequently asked questions, um, around Carol, around the process, around a bunch of different, you know, uh, um, uh, I guess, uh, topics in the renter journey. Uh, but yeah, there are so many other use cases in real estate. There's tickets for maintenance issues. Um, if you're not necessarily multifamily property management, but if you're, I don't know, uh, responsible for maintenance of 2,000 different properties and you want some way to find those tickets easily, source those tickets, route those tickets, etc. So conversational AI is actually a really good way uh, to do that type of automation at scale. Well, I love that you're using the term land and expand. Uh, it's clear that that's what you and your organization did. I think you definitely fit that role of being creative and innovative because sometimes it is about kind of finding one area and starting small and then going really deep. And it's great to see that your company kind of going into this space, especially in the last couple of years. When you think about, again, expanding, is there any conversation in terms of branding? You know, is there a conversation of having a customized voice or having a sonic brand or having certain things that really will differentiate this real estate company or agent from another one? It's a great question. So um, we we are a team that Hiro was basically born out of Google Duplex. Um, half the half of the first members of Hiro were from Google Duplex, um, and Google Duplex was kind of this. It was this conversational AI project from Google that basically set off a domino effect of okay, how human can we get? How human centric can we get? How nuanced can this use case be? So we added things like, mm -hmm, gotcha, oh, uh, okay. And all these nuances of the human language that made it seem extremely real. Some, some reporters called it scary, which I would agree with. You know, the voice synthesis was, was uh, almost indistinguishable. And that was in 2018. And it started this wave of a lot of companies trying to be extremely human-centric in their conversational AI. And that is the direction maybe that, that this space is going. Uh, that being said, it didn't scale. Uh, we know it didn't scale. We saw firsthand that it didn't scale. There are other companies that I won't mention who, like, 
I know they're not in a place where they're able to scale um, these types of experiences. Uh, and it's just a different product at the end of the day. We focus on uh, task-oriented use cases. Again, it's use cases and it's verticals where you have to be there. You need to be there. We're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to delight the patient uh, and make them, I don't know, think we're cool or hip or the, the patient is there to get things done. The faster we can do that for them, the more efficient we can be, then the more happy that person will be and the better the patient experience. Ultimately, it's the same with governments, same with real estate, same with education. Um, I would argue uh, there maybe there are some use cases in education that you want to be fun for the uh, you know the student body or something. But uh, overall, if you're trying to apply to ten different schools and you're a high school senior, you probably want to do that pretty quickly and efficiently. So um, those are the those are the use cases we focus on. And I think um, there's like there's a trade off, of course, because you don't get to be as customized, and we're not trying to be. But ultimately, our clients don't care about that as much. They care about the bottom line. Have you helped our users today? Are, are the users wowed by your voice? Or are the users you know, booking tours and showing up to those tours and everything's in order and they were understood and, you know, uh, and there was no latency issues? And so all these things matter way more to us, at least, than being super brand. And again, I know that that's direction. It's actually the more unpopular thing, which which I kind of like that we're not kind of like everybody else. Um, but yeah, ultimately, I think we've made that trade-off for task-oriented use cases and just a more efficient experience versus the wow factor. Um, because ultimately, the wow factor for our clients is, did we help our users today? Yeah, I think that's a good point. And it's interesting you said, you know, because uh, that's kind of a piece of your brand is to kind of really focus on that task piece. And like you said, there are certain conversational AI that are much more task. There are certain ones that are about experience. There are certain ones that are about entertainment. So it's really kind of about finding, again, that niche that you serve. Um, and I love that you've been able to do that and, again, kind of create that next space for yourself in this real estate market. When you're thinking about, um, you know, other real estate agents or real estate agencies, and they're kind of saying, okay, we want to start using AI, but we don't know where to start. We don't know what to do. We're not a technical team. What would maybe be one piece of advice that you would give them? Uh, yeah, find, first of all, find vendors that will actually be your guides and consultants in the process. So I think a lot of times, a lot of times real estate agencies or like if they're not big enough that they have this massive budget, so they'll, they'll try and kind of cut corners and go for uh, platforms or solutions that leave a lot of heavy lifting to the, the clients themselves. Um, and without trying to plug, again, like I'm trying not to plug a higher of course too much. Um, but I think especially if you're a, a real estate agency or, or a property management company or your health system or your a, a government agency and you don't have the necessary team in place of data scientists or of developers or product teams that are well-versed in digital solutions that can walk through these types of, of uh, these types of tools these types of platforms so ideally you get something that is out of the box um, off the shelf plug and play all those buzzwords but you start with something that can really integrate well into your current tech stack. And I think that makes it a lot more daunting um, of, of an effort uh, to start there. Uh, I also think that it depends on, on the data structure. I mean, uh, 
to go into like too many technical details, but it depends how their data is structured. Um, so if you don't have uh, your data in one place, or or you don't have your data in a couple of places, and at least it's organized, uh, so it's going to be quite an issue, I think, to deploy a lot of these types of solutions, not just conversational AI, just across the board, uh, whatever you want to do with AI. Um, at the end of the day, a lot of AI is, is built on on good data, strong data, um, volume of data. So uh, a lot of that plays into it. I mean, there are some companies that come to us and we actually don't deploy for them because they don't have enough data that makes it even relevant for a solution like ours. So I think just being you know honest with themselves about what resources do we have? Do we want to pay a premium for plug and play because we don't have the infrastructure necessary for some of this you know fancy AI technology? And how do we you know deploy? And are we going to get stuck maintaining this ourselves? You know, it's really about being honest with the resources and and how far you're going to go because you know, a lot of a lot of AI deployments don't pan out, uh, especially when you look at AI chatbots. The turnover is very high. Um, turnover is high because a lot of times, you know, they'll start out well and then there's nobody there to maintain it because nobody understands the technology. So, um, so be careful, I think, at the beginning to understand who's going to deploy this and how quick and easy is that going to be? Who's going to maintain it? Do we have somebody we're bringing on or is there some kind of outsourced? I know Deloitte does a lot of conversational AI, um, you know, consultancy work. Uh, where they help th- they help companies maintain. So, are we going to invest in that? And and that those are important questions to ask before go- jumping into anything. No, I appreciate uh, not only kind of your innovative way of thinking, but also your realistic approach. I think it's important to really be looking at where you're at at this time. And like you said, sometimes it's starting with just getting your data organized before you even get into the tech side. So I appreciate you sharing that. If people want to learn more about anything we spoke about, where is the best place to get more information? Uh, yeah, so hiro.ai, uh, obviously our website where it's chock full of resources on the subject, um, conversational technologies in general, but also the verticals that we operate in. Um, I, yeah, I, I think it's a great resource. I'll also throw, uh, throw some praise over to Rasa. I think they have incredible resources on conversational AI. I'm a big fan. Uh, Carrie is a genius when it comes to uh, voice technologies. So anything she says or does on LinkedIn, follow her. Um, and uh, and yeah, that's that, that that's my plug, I guess for uh, for that. I mean, um, there are a couple of other great sources for conversational technologies. There's no shortage of amazing players in the space. Well, thank you. Thank you for the kind words. And I am grateful you were here and so excited about the work that you all are doing at Hyro. So thank you so much, Aaron, for being here today. Thank you, Carrie. It's always a pleasure. I can't wait till our next chat. Maybe even Hyro will start their own uh, webinar series and uh, we can invite you uh, as a guest speaker. So I would love that. Well, thank you all so much for watching and listening. Don't forget to subscribe to our Read Speaker AI YouTube channel to see all of our videos, as well as our audio podcast, Creative and Tech, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Creative and Tech. Want to learn more about conversational AI, text-to-speech, or be notified of our upcoming episodes and events? Learn more at readspeaker.ai.